The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Welcome to our podcast, The Tactical Take, where we discuss our thoughts on the markets, highlighting the opportunities and risks that we see in the current environment, and how we're positioned in the tactical sleeves of the Natixis models to reflect this backdrop. My name is Jack Janisiewicz, Portfolio Manager and Lead Portfolio Strategist with Natixis Investment Manager Solutions, and I lead the Natixis Investment Manager Solutions Investment Committee. The benchmark S&P 500 posted strong gains for the month of July, returning over 9% for the month, while the tech-laden Nasdaq was even more impressive with its 12.39% gain. U.S. markets were by far the strongest performers around the globe, while emerging markets struggled, effectively trading water for the month and going nowhere. The trade-weighted dollar had a lot to do with the U.S. outperformance, as the euro slumped almost 2.5% versus the greenback. On the fixed income side, yields and spreads rallied sharply on the heels of a strong U.S. Treasury move that saw the 10-year rally from 3.08% early in the month to 2.65% by the close of the month, an impressive 43 basis points worth of tightening. Credit spreads followed in kind with the risk-on tone as investment-grade spreads, as measured by the Bloomberg U.S. Corporate Bond Index, tightened by 11 basis points, while the riskier Bloomberg U.S. Corporate High Yield Bond Index tightened a whopping 100 basis points. Risk on tone all around the markets. So what gives? Why the sharp move higher in risk asks in July? We spoke at length last month about inflation and inflation expectations, all culminating in what we think is peak inflation fears, and that the market now has moved away from inflation worries to a growth scare. Not surprising, you can see this playing out in the Treasury moves we just highlighted. If inflation concerns were still the top worry for investors, it's hard to see the 10-year rallying from the peak on 10-year yields back on June 14th at 3.48%, all the way down to 2.65% where we close the month. An 83 basis points rally in Treasury yields in the face of an inflation scare? Don't think so. This is all about a potential recession squashing inflation and hence the massive rally in risk-free yields. But the market really made a strong second leg higher last month, right after the July 27th Fed meeting. And there were a few comments from that meeting we found interesting. As expected, the Fed hiked the overnight rate 75 basis points, bringing the upper bound for the target rate to 2.5%. During the press conference, Powell hinted that this could be the last 75 basis point hike, but also stressed that this outcome would remain dependent on how the data develops. He also made reference to the idea that interest rates had already reached a neutral level, which, in layman's terms, means the level of rates that is consistent with monetary policy being neither contractionary nor expansionary. Taken at face value, these comments imply that the bulk of the heavy lifting for rate hikes is done and that the end of the tightening cycle is fully priced. And against this backdrop, stocks ripped. Bonds ripped, spreads tightened, the dollar weakened, and implied vol dropped. Risk on everywhere. All of these components we just mentioned roll up into what the market mavens refer to as financial conditions. Easier said, financial conditions are a catch-all for anything and everything that impacts the economy. So think about the equity market. Rising equity prices contribute to our personal wealth, and we can then monetize that to help finance consumption and that positive impact on growth for the economy. Credit spreads tightening. That reflects the premium paid above the risk-free rate investors demand to lend funds to corporate borrowers. Lower spreads mean cheaper financing. Corporate America may be more apt to borrow to expand businesses or increase CapEx spending if the cost of capital is falling. All net supportive for economic growth. Get the picture? 
So follow on to the Fed's comments post-meeting. Financial conditions effectively eased with the risk on tone. And easing financial conditions equates to a more supportive backdrop for economic growth. So let's put things into perspective here. The labor market still remains very strong and tight. Sure, we're seeing signs of easing when we look at the jobless claims. But we are still very far from any material weakening showing up in that data right now. The unemployment rate is sitting at 3.6%. And since March, the U.S. has averaged 380,000 job ads per month. Still pretty strong job ads. And to boot, wages are still firm and total compensation measures are at historic highs. Look at inflation, too. Headline consumer price inflation is running at 9.1% and core is at 5.9%. The headline price index from the personal consumption expenditures data is showing inflation at 6.8% and core at 4.8%. Still very strong. And yes, we are in the peak inflation camp. But let's reiterate our risks. That inflation remains stickier than expected and the rate of deceleration proves to be much slower than we hope. Powell has indicated that he needs to see clear and convincing evidence that inflation is rolling over before backing off. Not sure we've seen that clear and convincing evidence just yet. In the markets, well, the narrative driving the latest leg higher in risk assets is focused on a dovish pivot, the market's interpretation of the Fed's comments from the last meeting. And this is where we think we may need to pump the brakes a little bit. The market may be getting a bit ahead of itself in here. We certainly aren't in the bearish camp by any means, but we also acknowledge the risks associated with our expectations and outlook. We often talk about path versus destination. The destination is that inflation returns to 2%. The path is and always will be up for debate. And while we expect that path to 2% to take some time and likely take us well into 2023, we thought that as long as the path to 2% showed consistent improvements along the way, this would keep the odds for a policy mistake in check. However, this outlook might be running into some headwinds. Why? That path may have very well taken an abrupt turn. The Fed, in an attempt to arrest the inflationary impulses in the economy, needs to slow demand. And in doing so, they aim to cool the economy. Demand still remains strong, however. We highlighted the strengths that are still showing up in the labor market and in wages. And as demand remains strong, inflation will likely remain sticky. And if financial conditions continue to ease, the catalyst for an improving economic backdrop certainly increase. Let me say this again. As financial conditions ease, the economic backdrop is likely to accelerate. An improving economic backdrop? This is exactly what the Fed does not want to see. They need to see a slowing economy, which brings about slowing in demand. And this slowing in demand ultimately cools inflation. The narrative of a dovish pivot at the July 27th meeting actually makes the Fed's job that much more difficult. And this potentially puts more pressure on the Fed in the future to have to maintain a more hawkish stance in order to get inflation to converge to their 2% target. So as the dovish pivot narrative lifted risk assets into the end of the month, maybe we're a little ahead of ourselves here. We have yet to see clear and convincing evidence that inflation's rolling over and is confidently heading towards that 2% goal. And yet, We've already moved on to pricing in a dovish pivot. Maybe we are a little ahead of ourselves on this one. Okay, let's shift gears for a minute and talk about earnings. At this time of the recording, roughly 50% of the S&P 500 had reporting second quarter 2022 earnings. And what did we learn? Travel is en fuego. Hotels and credit cards are all saying the same thing. People are getting out and enjoying what they couldn't during the pandemic. 
travel. Airlines are not reaping quite the same windfalls as fuel costs and operational challenges have become a headwind for them. On the consumer side, the song remains the same. Consumers are still spending away, but patterns are shifting. We heard these same comments from retailers during first quarter earnings season, and this quarter is more of the same. Spending is still very strong, but more of the budget is going towards food and fuel costs given the rising prices. And some of the budget is also finding its way into travel and leisure. Consumers are moving away from brand names and moving towards private labels in an attempt to save, and this is having a pull-through effect to the bottom line on retailers. These spending shifts to food and groceries and energy at the expense of other discretionary items means a shift from higher margin lines to lower margin ones, and investors are taking note. Those companies that see gains in both prices and volumes are being rewarded, and those who are seeing organic revenues that's driven all by price increases with a drop in volumes, they're getting punished. Consumer staples are enjoying large price increases, but are also noting that while there is some pushback from customers, most of the hikes are sticking. And back to those spending patterns, the higher-end consumer market is performing very well. Those in the highest income quartiles have the savings and the earnings to spend on luxury items, and they're doing just that. So the bottom line, the consumer is still consuming. Never bet against the U.S. consumer. And lastly, as we mentioned at the onset of the podcast, currency returns are playing a significant part in differentiating total returns around the globe. So let's talk about what's driving currency returns for a moment. The U.S. dollar has been in somewhat of a vicious cycle, one where the dollar strength begets additional dollar strength. Let's recall that the U.S. dollar is a key component in the global manufacturing cycle. Most transactions that take place in the global trade system are denominated in U.S. dollars. So a strong U.S. dollar weakens global trade and global output through this invoicing channel. If you want to participate in global trade, you more than likely need to buy dollars in order to transact. So as a non-dollar player, a stronger dollar makes it more expensive for you to transact in the global economy, hence weakening the global trade backdrop. As global trade and manufacturing slows with a stronger dollar, there is less of a need for raw materials and other key inputs. As such, commodity prices, which are largely priced in dollars, ease. Commodities are a key export for many economies. Lower commodity prices ultimately weigh on these economies and further slow trade and growth. As the global economy decelerates, investors begin to seek safe haven assets and currencies in those economies around the world that are less reliant on global trade, namely the U.S. This then puts even more upside pressure on the U.S. dollar. As capital flows continue to bid up the dollar, this cycle continues to accelerate into a perpetual loop. Round and round we go. And to top this off, the European energy issue exacerbates this cycle. The energy crunch makes the U.S. growth prospects that much more attractive as Europe suffers from slowing growth and high inflation. Given the lack of energy constraints in a relatively more insulated economy, the U.S. acts as a safe haven asset that attracts incremental inflows, which pushes the USD stronger. In complicating this even more, the risks of natural gas rationing and spiking power costs are casting a tall shadow over the European economy. With Germany's manufacturing exports facing headwinds from a slowing global economy and increased input costs, its massive current account has flipped from the increasing trade deficit. And this has put downward pressure on the euro relative to the U.S. dollar, exacerbating the U.S. dollar strength. What breaks this cycle? improving global growth prospects, and a break in the rising energy prices. Tough to see these catalysts emerging anytime soon. So what do we do this month? Well, nothing. 
Like we outlined earlier, maybe the market has gotten a little ahead of itself with this recent bounce. Was that the low or a low? The start of the recovery or a bear market rally? Well, time will tell, but we certainly are watching. Might the lows be in? Maybe. Might we chop some wood in here? Sure. Off to the races? Not quite ready to make that call. The dovish pivot might be jumping the gun here, a bit too early to make that call. Yes, there is plenty of tightening in the system, and we appreciate that this operates with a lag, so it very well could simply be a matter of time before these Fed rate hikes manifest in a slower economic demand. And while the risks for a recession in Europe are certainly higher than what we see for the U.S., there are knock-on effects. It's going to be tough to see yields in the U.S. spike aggressively higher if Europe is slipping into a recession. That will certainly help put a ceiling on U.S. Treasury yields, and capping that upside would certainly help bring rate volatility down. But clear and convincing evidence on inflation, the kind that Powell has been referencing, not there yet. We've said this repeatedly, a lot of bad news is baked into risk assets, and sentiment is awful. But it's back to path versus destination. It's taken a bit of time to digest and work through the inflation scare that's morphing into a growth scare. This process was a function of the Fed's reaction function, evolving and catching up. But we aren't so sure it's appropriate to bounce from an inflation scare to a growth scare and then immediately price in an economic recovery. Like we've been saying, maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in here. To wrap up our podcast, The Tactical Take, this is Jack Janisiewicz. Hope you enjoyed the commentary, and thanks for listening. Important information. For listeners outside the United States, Natixis Investment Managers Distribution and Service Groups include Natixis Investment Managers SA, Luxembourg, Natixis Investment Managers International, France, and their affiliated distribution and service entities. These entities conduct any regulated activities only in and from the jurisdictions in which they are licensed or authorized. Their services and the products they manage are not available to all investors in all jurisdictions. For additional information and important podcasts disclosures for listeners outside the U.S., please consult im.natixis.com forward slash intl forward slash podcasts dash and dash, other dash, media. Further, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and not necessarily those of Natixis investment managers. These views were provided as of the date of recording and will not be revised. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute investment advice or an offer to buy or sell a financial product from any Natixis investment manager's entity. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Investment risk exists with equity, fixed income, and alternative investments. There is no assurance that any investment will meet its performance performance objectives or that losses will be avoided. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. Performance data discussed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future results. Indexes are not investments, do not incur fees and expenses and are not professionally managed. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. This document may contain references to copyrights, indexes and trademarks that may not be registered in all jurisdictions. Third-party registrations are the property of their respective owners and are not affiliated with Natixis Investment Managers or any of its related or affiliated companies. Collectively Natixis, such third-party owners do not sponsor, endorse or participate in the provision of any Natixis services, funds or other financial products, provided by Natixis Distribution, LLC, 888 Boylston Street, Boston, MA02199. Natixis Investment Managers includes all of the investment management and distribution entities affiliated with Natixis Distribution, LP and Natixis Investment Managers SA Natixis Distribution, LP is a limited purpose broker dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Member SIPC, Adtrax, 4888640, 1, 1, expiration date, March 31, 2023, pod 370822.